Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 226 with Kate Stillman. I think you'll find this episode particularly stimulating because Kate is a true expert when it comes to health, energy stuff, and we are talking all about how to bring that higher level of energy for more thinking, performance, productivity, creativity, brilliance to work each and every day. So you'll learn, one, a small tweak in your eating habits that makes you feel so much better the next day, two, why and how to deliver a self-massage, and three, how reducing stimulation leads to increasing energy. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we referenced here, you can find that on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep226. And while you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I recommend you check out some of our cool stuff. One thing I'll point you to here today is just the Gold Nugget email list. So if you find yourself running or driving and wish you could take notes, but you can't for the episodes, we take the notes and send them right to you each time a guest goes live. And you can sign up at awesomeatyourjob.com or texting NUG, that's N-U-G, to 444-999. If you text NUG, N-U-G, to 444-999, you can sign up that way. Now, here's Kate's story. Kate empowers Thrive Seekers to up-level their health, their careers, and their lives in real time. She also teaches wellness pros to grow their impact and their income. Kate created yogahealer.com in 2001 and has since helped thousands of people thrive in their health, their families, and their communities. Kate splits her time between the Teton Valley and Punta Mita, Mexico, so she can enjoy mountain biking in the summer and paddleboarding and surfing in the winter. Here's Kate. Kate, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Yeah. I'm psyched, Pete. Oh, yes, me too. Well, I had so much fun meeting you at Podcast Movement, and I was really impressed with uh, a lot of the wisdom that you have to share. Well, maybe you can orient us uh, first and foremost. What is, if I could say the word right, Ayurveda? <laughs> and how could that be helpful for professionals? Yeah, so Ayurveda, it's the healing tradition that comes from India that co-arose with yoga. So if you think of yoga and Ayurveda as different sides of the same coin, this is how it's often described. So yoga is the path of enlightenment and yoga is the, how do you have a healthy enough body so that you can have higher pursuits like enlightenment? Right? How do you optimize your physiology, not just on the physical level, but mental and emotional, because anyone who's ever been, you know, who's ever attempted a meditation practice knows that like, if you're in physical pain, you can't meditate. And if you're also in a lot of like mental and emotional turmoil, there's not a lot that you can do in terms of these deeper, higher pursuits that yoga is really all about. And so the Ayurveda was always the backdrop, the backbone. How do you optimize your health so that you can get onto like the bigger and better things? in life. Oh, certainly. Yes. And well, I don't know of how high this pursuit is in the grand scheme of your yoga healer life. <laughs> so, but here we're thinking about when it comes to, I know I've experienced it in terms of just how much energy you have to bring to a given day makes a world of difference in terms of how much productivity and fun you're having during the course of just rocking and rolling in the course of just taking care of business productively. And so I am passionate and fascinated to learn more about more energy and how to get it and apply it and make it work so optimal performance unfolds and your practice is just exploding over there. So it all seems to add up that uh, you figured out a thing or two that is certainly applicable 
for professionals who would like to bring more energy into their work lives each day? How would you start us off toward that goal? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot at play. So in my work with Ayurveda, so Ayurveda actually means the science of life. And it just comes from observing the laws of the universe, observing our place in the cosmos and how our, in many ways, like our physiology, our bodies, our minds, in many ways, there's something that we inherit, Mm. right? Like you didn't design your body, the one that you came in with, the one that like your mother birthed you. (laughs) I've since sculpted it to uh, a specimen. You since sculpted it, exactly. (laughs) You've come in and sculpted it. But you did not have to design the operating system, right? And so there's like, well, who did? Or what did? Or what forces did design the operating system of the human physiology? And as soon as we start asking those questions, we start getting actually kind of more interested in the past in order to optimize our future. So if we start to understand like, oh, well, we're smart monkeys, we're primates. Monkeys are diurnal. They're not nocturnal. Okay. Right. And we start to understand that we have had certain rhythms as a species, which involved eating during the day. And sleeping at night. We start to understand like we'd like our food to be colorful because we use our eyes to sense much more so than in many ways our sense of smell. Whereas like your dog can eat in the dark, like you might find that you do not like eating in the dark, hmm. right? So these little things. I've never tried. Never tried. Try it. Seriously, like prepare an amazing gourmet meal and then turn the lights out and see your level of enjoyment. You know, it's so funny that that's never occurred to me. I guess I had some popcorn recently at night and it wasn't amazing, but I was really hungry. So I appreciated it. Yeah. But if you're going to go to a (laughs) five-star restaurant, like you'll notice like you enjoy, if you've ever eaten like really good Japanese food, you'll notice there's like a lot of attention to the aesthetic. Right. And this is part of being a human being. We've like really well-developed eyes for color and our digestion is such that it's been optimized to digest food during the day and our sleep patterns are optimized for darkness. Okay. So I'm with you there. So there are some fundamental principles that have deep ancient roots and they show up in our real lived experience. So I'd love it if we could kind of zoom into some of these particular elements. So let's start with sleep and doing it well, making the most of it so that it is super refreshing, energizing, and good to go. So your first pro tip seemed to be a sleep at night. So that's a good start. (laughs) Yeah, it is, but it's like harder done than said, right? Because what happens is that most people, if we really look at like the typical like working professional, often you're eating your largest meal at the end of the day, which means your body's not optimized to go to sleep when it should be because you're digesting food. So again, you like kind of mixed up that digestion happens in the day and sleep happens at night. So we start to see how much our sleep is tied to our eating. But if we're eating our larger meal in the middle of the day, which take some physiological retraining to do. Mm-hmm. And often we start to realize at that point, like, oh, but my habits, my food habits and my sleeping habits, they're not actually my own. They're cultural. They're familial. My habits are really tied to the people I live with and the people I work with. And this where we start to really understand what's going on behind the scenes with why doing what seems best for the body to give us the most energy and the most focus is really, really hard for us to do. And the more we get clear on that, it's just like anyone here who's a project manager. And it's like, the more you understand the problems you're trying to solve for in your project, the better it's all going to turn out. So that's kind of part of that research phase. Like what time of day does your typical listener eat dinner? You know, I've had a number of conversations and a number of survey questions with listeners and email exchanges, and we just never, <laughs> we never went there uh, specifically. But guess. I'll tell You've you, with these people. I'll eat dinner at seven right. fifteen well, p.m. You're eating dinner at seven fifteen. 
is it the meal of the day that's the highest in calories or content? You know, often it is. Uh, I'd say sometimes or even thirds, sometimes the dinner is taking the cake. Okay, great. So we'll take that example. Usually it's protein laden, that it's just heavier. It's usually has, you know, just requires more digestive power. So then you're looking at at least a three hour window to digest that meal. Okay. But if we look at how our bodies are optimized for focus and rest, we actually want to be lights out by 10. We want to be unwinding, especially if you're using a computer during the day. We're going to need some unwinding time, some unplugging, some reconnecting into natural rhythms, into actually like, oh, it's dark out. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to let my eyes attune to natural light because that'll help me make my, like, realize that my physiology is tired. So often what that means is unplugging. And that usually isn't done with football or Netflix. It's done by actually either being outside, spending time in nature, which gets harder the more we're going into winter and whatnot. But if we're actually attuned to that mm -hmm. and we're eating dinner earlier, so now we're like rewiring our schedule that dinner is either easier to digest, so it's lighter, or it's earlier. You've got two choices there because you could still eat at 7.15, but you could just have a bowl of soup. Okay. And then that wouldn't take three hours to digest. Understood. And most modern adults that work in offices are not struggling with being underweight. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> right? Especially so, in the U.S., yeah. It, well, not really, especially everywhere. Mexico's obesity rates through the roof. It's all over India. They used to struggle with, you know, I mean, it's global at this point. So the deal is, I mean, yeah, there are certain more intelligent European countries that don't struggle with this issue. But as soon as we're wanting to up our energy and our focus, we can start to really pay attention to having either an earlier or a lighter dinner or an earlier and lighter dinner starts to enable us to tune into our own fatigue. And so then it's much easier to go to bed earlier. And that's in my, I have a book called Body Thrive and there's 10 habits. And the first habit is early or later dinner. And the second habit is early to bed. Because if you can dial those two things in, your focus the next day is going to be through the roof. Okay. And if you don't, then you're going to deal with things like feeling behind already when the day begins. And some of the brain fog that'll require a lot of caffeine that'll set off your sleep pattern in the next 24 hours. All right. I hear you. And so then thinking about the notion of eating lighter and or earlier the dinner, can you sort of lay out, is there any kind of compelling research or in your own clients' experiences, sort of what is the key, if we were to test this out at home, what's sort of the key indicator we're looking for? Like, whoa, that earlier, lighter dinner worked versus, whoa, that later, heavier dinner is messing me up. What are, are kind of the indicators we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, just the ones that you outlined in the beginning, energy and focus. Mm -hmm. The next day, do you have more energy? Are you more focused? You can also look at your stoke. Like, are you stoked? Okay. Are you stoked to get out of bed in the morning or are you like pressing snooze? Now, most working professionals are actually exhausted. So you're not starting from a neutral system. You're starting from a system that's already hyper-stimulated, hyper-caffeinated, overweight, and exhausted. Really. I mean, it, and this is just the stats, right? We see autoimmune issues are people's immune systems are falling apart. Okay. Right? So it's not like you're going to feel energized and focused the next day because your body is probably going to start to go into a healing state in which you might actually get way more in touch with the nature of reality in your physiology, which might be this exhaustion, which might be this level of depletion, which you might just kind of have a come to Jesus moment of like, wow, I've really got to make some changes. And this is a few layers deep here. But what's cool is the body wants you to learn from yesterday and so you're going to get a sense of like, you know, you're going to either have slept better, uh -huh. 
usually people just feel like, wow, I actually got deeper sleep because I wasn't trying to like digest food and sleep at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you're saying you'll kind of feel that in terms of like your first moments of, hey, I'm awake. That's kind of when you will be looking to observe and compare or kind of like, you know. Yeah, you know, you know. I mean, you know, when you wake up and you're like, I did not get the kind of sleep I wish I'd gotten. And you know, and you're like, that was good. Give me some of that. Oh, cool. And you're saying that it's a pretty quick observation transformation that an earlier lighter dinner and an earlier to bedtime is going to dramatically increase the proportion of mornings that you say, oh yeah, that was good. Yeah. I mean, you can also do the opposite. (laughs) So you can eat tonight, you can have seconds Mm -hmm. or you can have dessert later. And you can run that experiment too. Cool. And then the next morning, if it's like, you can just notice. So you're all, we're always running experiments. We're running experiments every single moment of every single day, right? We're running our own physiological experiments. If you don't feel great right now, if you don't have a ton of energy, if you're not stoked on your life, if you do a quick physical body scan and you're like, my flesh is not toned and lean, like you've got to run some better experiments, dude, (laughs) or do that, right? Like this is how the body works. It wants you to learn from yesterday. So in Ayurvedic medicine, they say the number one cause of disease is they call it pragna parata. It means a failure of the intellect. Mm. It also translates to crimes, 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 crimes (laughs) against wisdom, which wisdom your own wisdom. So you knew better and you still chose to have seconds you knew better and you still chose to eat a heavy protein laden meal after 4 p.m. Okay. All right. Crimes against wisdom. That is a phrase. That is a phrase. The number one cause of disease, meaning that you're designed to get smarter every day. All right. So crimes against wisdom, you know, so we got a couple charges. I guess I've got some priors there. What are some other potential chargeable offenses that you see all the time and make a world of a difference when you run an experiment in the reverse way. And I actually have a webinar on these two particular habits. They kind of simplify things for people and make a world of difference. And that's the webinar is called Focus on Fit. And it's this thing I ran on like Focus on Fit, Not Thin. If people can just like focus on becoming more fit. And the easiest way to do that is through like two main habits. And it's often not easy. Like most stuff that's super simple. It's not easy to actually make changes and do it. But once you do it, you're like, oh, this makes sense. This works. And the first is intermittent exercise. So you just start to increase the amount that you're moving throughout the day. And everyone knows this. Like most people are carrying Fitbits that have any clue right now. And there's a lot of good science that shows that like if you exercise once a day, it's just not as beneficial to your body as if you break up that same amount of time and you intersperse it throughout the day. And of course this makes sense because as we go back to the beginning of the conversation, we're supposed to be smart monkeys and smart Mm -hmm. monkeys didn't just like move and then sit on their butts for the rest of the day and then go to sleep and expect to sleep well. They did a little of this and they exerted some effort and then they sat down and then they harvested and then they did this and then they, right. And that's how we're designed. If anyone's ever spent time with children, you'll notice like it's really hard to get them to sit still. What's weird about adults is it's hard to get them moving again. Yeah. Well, so I'm intrigued by that assertion there. So if we're going to do a 40 minute, whatever workout, you're saying you're better off interspersing that into, I don't know, let's call it eight, five minute mini workouts is superior to one 40 minute whole workout. You'll feel better. Yeah. You'll feel, you'll have much more mental focus and energy and stimulation. But what about warming up? If it's only five minutes, you know. A little bit, how do I do a warm up before the pump, you know, and all that? 
I mean, this is the thing about habits over time, right? Is if you just start to look at like how sedentary are you actually? Mm-hmm. And then it's so much more about upping the bar. So say you normally work out for an hour in the morning. Okay. Like what if you just do 20 minutes then, and then you look at having two other 20 minute breaks in your day where you're moving, like at the end of the day, if you're just like, did I have a better day? And you just start there. Well, what will actually usually happen to most people over time is that they still want to get in like a really, you know, as you're getting more fit and you're getting more focused and you're getting more awake and you're getting smarter, you're starting to learn from yesterday and make tomorrow better. As you're doing that, you're like, I want to work out more. I want to move my body more. That's what it always becomes. It begins bubbling up. Yeah. The same desire that was trained out of you when you were five years old and you were told to sit still. Now you're on training that pattern and you're waking up to like movement. I'm an animal. I'm designed to move. There's a whole category of diseases called the sedentary diseases. And they're really linked to the autoimmune diseases. This stuff is not a mystery. It's not new. Everyone listening already knows it. We're not saying anything new here. We already know that you feel better after a five minute walk. So go take one, right? Okay. And that's it. And once we start to get into that, then it's like, oh, I still want to go. I actually want to move more. I'm going to build more movement into my day, not less. So now I don't have just 40 minutes to move my body. I have more. I might decide, hey, you know what? This meeting, let's go take this one around the block. Mm-hmm. Let's go do a walk and talk. And you just worked in another 30 minutes and you're not calling it exercise. You're just bringing in more movement. Like yesterday afternoon, I'd been creating a bunch of videos and I'd been inside and my daughter came home like she was going to go to gymnastics. She had already just been playing at the playground with her friends. I was the one who needed the intermittent movement. I'm like, let's go jump on the trampoline for 10 minutes. She's like, yes. You know, but she didn't need it. She was going to go to a three hour gymnastics practice after just running around the block, but I needed it so I can engineer my time with her so that it involves more movement. That's good. When we start looking for times to increase movement, we start finding time all over the place. Oh, examples, please. Well, just say you're walking to the bathroom and normally you like hang out and chit chat on the way while you pass someone's desk instead of just being like, can I use that three minutes to find somewhere to do a little bit of movement? And some of you might be like, oh, I can actually walk up three flights of stairs and walk back down three flights of stairs and go to the bathroom and go back to my desk. But I just actually got a little bit, I got my heart rate up. I'm now more in a peak state. My focus is going to increase. I broke up the pattern. So when you talk about movement, are you saying it doesn't matter so much what you're doing, whether it's walking or stairs or stretching? The more diverse, the better. Like again, like we're so patterned. Like the typical person that works in the typical office building is incredibly limited in their movement. And we start to see there's a massive evolution in culture that's fighting against this. That's really like, that's the pushback to this in terms of like HIIT workouts and CrossFit and primal movement or functional movement. There's all these movement revolutions and these cool workout chains sprouting up across the West because the ones who are waking up are like, we got to get out of our boxes. We got to get out of just sleeping for hopefully eight hours at night, like waking up, maybe doing a workout. Some people maybe not even sitting down, drinking a cup of coffee, sitting in a car, going to a desk, sitting at a desk, right? And then going home, sitting to eat, and then sitting on the couch and then going to bed. I mean, it's crazy, right? And the workout might be going on a Stairmaster, right? Or going on like a skate ski machine or something like that, or going on a bicycle where you're still staying in the same front facing linear plane. There's no twisting in the spine Mm -hmm. happening. There's no getting out of the box and doing like 
getting out of like going into a just much more exotic movement that starts to open a lot of different neural pathways in the brain and really increases different ways of thinking, different ways of problem solving, increases the level of focus. Well, Kate, now you're standing and moving and we're talking about movement and I'm seated and I feel inadequate. Yeah, see, so this we're... is what starts to happen is you start to like, in my house, I have two standing desks. This one has a little remote control. I rarely sit for more than 30 minutes. Well, now I've got my standing desk going. I'm standing. You're an inspiration. That's Kate. what happens. You are transforming lives as we speak. As we speak. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I just can't sit for yeah. more than, like, I mean, I can if I'm going to like a business conference and I'm like acting like a normal human being at a business conference. And I'm mm-hmm. like, but even so at those business conferences, this is what happens because I'm a CEO growing a company. So like, there's just a reality and I get it, you guys, like I get the meetings and I get the this and that, but you start to be able to bend things to meet who you are and who you want to become next. So at these business things, like there's a break, I'm like, who's with me? You know? <laughs> because anyone who knows me, they're like, I'm going to stick with her because I know I'm going to feel better in 10 minutes. Yeah. And I know she's going to have fun because she's naturally life positive, full of energy, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to go hang out with her. And I never have any idea what we'll do. Sometimes we'll just go for a walk around the building. Sometimes mm-hmm. we'll do handstands in the hallway. Like sometimes we'll go and do like five minutes of like hit workouts and really primal movement or like so much of that stuff. As soon as we start to unbox ourselves from eating too heavy, too late at night and waking up groggy and behind and not having enough time for movement. As soon as we start to take the pressure off our system through eating a little earlier and lighter for some of you, you don't need to eat dinner. And you know, I'm talking to you like skipping a meal is not going to kill you. (laughs) Right. Our ancestors used to have like natural fasting times because they just didn't have a ton of food in the cupboard all the time. Right. Our ancestors used to have supper, which means is related to the word soup. Okay. It's also related to the word supplemental. There's two etymologies in that phrase. And to me, that's incredible, right? Like, oh, dinner used to be more or less a liquid medium. Huh. Bring that back in, not cream-based medium, but more water-based medium, right? All of a sudden, I'm eating an earlier, lighter dinner. All of a sudden, I'm naturally, because I'm not heavy and weighed down and my body's not digesting, I'm actually going to be attuned to that I'm sleepy, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed because my body's not wasting all this energy on digestion at night, which it's not suited for historically, biologically in our circadian rhythms. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have a surplus of energy that otherwise would have gone to digestion. Now I'm going to have energy enough to move and I'm going to be thinking differently. I love how you've laid out that cycle and that momentum that builds and grows in doing so. But I want to talk for just a bit about how do you start the cycle? Because I think it sometimes folks might say, hey, I even have a standing desk, but oh, I just feel too tired to, <laughs> to stand up right now because yeah. I'm beat down or whatever. So I guess that's kind of what I'm wondering is if folks say, you know, I am too tired to, I don't know, go shopping and make a gourmet meal or take any number of the steps associated with literally steps around the block or up and down the stairs. And so I'd love for you to tackle that one head on. It's like, okay, that sounds nice, but I'm too tired to even get started. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. And this kind of ties into that second habit that I was going to mention with intermittent movement is intermittent fasting. Like actually what you need to do is less. It's usually not more. Chances are your body needs less calories than you're putting in. If you're a typical American or typical Westerner, chances are you actually need less. I was reading this blog post on lazy people. I can't remember which channel it was published on, but it had a quote from Bill Gates. I thought this was really fascinating. And he was talking about hiring and he was talking about people that are lazy and smart versus 
diligent and dumb. Mm -hmm. I I think those were the exact words and how he'd much rather hire someone that was lazy and smart than someone that was diligent and dumb because someone it's like the hamster in the wheel. Like when you're actually expending like all of this energy and you're not getting anywhere, not a good way to go, but you can actually be super lazy and super fit in this amazing way. And part of it is you just start taking all the pressure off your physiology just by not basically not eating at the right times a day, eating too much food at the wrong times a day, putting way too much stimulation into your senses or garbage into your brain, however you want to say it, whether that's football games or Netflix or the news or the little alerts on your iPhone, just putting too much in. Most people right now are taking way too much in. So it's not a question of doing more. It's a question of just simply not taking in so much. So when you just say your specific yeses, and then everything else is more or less a no. And the same thing it becomes true with taking the load off your system. So you just say, okay, I'm, I know I'm going to eat out tonight. I'm going to order soup. I'm not going to watch anything when I go home. I'm not going to check my phone or my computer. I'm going to. Kate, I'll be bored. What am I going to do? Chances are you won't. Chances okay. are you really won't. Chances are you'll just be like, you'll sit with it for a minute. You'll be like, I actually want to do this. Or you might start to feel your own fatigue. Right. And you, maybe you need to take a shower. Maybe you need to take a walk. Maybe you just need to sit and pet your cat or talk to your kid. Right. And you start to realize that like the bliss that you've been looking for is right there all along. And that's why the habits of Ayurveda, the habits that I teach and that's the backbone of my book and all that. It's like, they're the habits that lead to enlightened living. They're the habits of bliss. They're the habits of deep connectivity. And you start to realize that like all of that sort of like external drive that external stuff that that really starts to fall away and you start to really fall in love with not just your life but really like each moment and that level of fulfillment that comes with that it actually gives you so much more drive and focus it's just fascinating like the more interconnected you get the more you get like where you can make a difference where your life can matter how you want to show up tomorrow how you want to optimize your evening today so that you're able to be somewhat clued in and present and optimized and focused for tomorrow. Well, it sounds like a beautiful picture that you're painting there and very, very appealing. And so you're saying it all starts with just subtraction, subtraction instead of addition in terms of making it happen. Yeah. Most people are putting in too much. I mean, really, if we look at the diseases of modern culture, it's not under stimulation. It's not underfed. It can be undernutrified, but I wouldn't even worry about that at first. You know, I would just start to reduce, just allow more time and more space. So allowing more space and time for digestion to happen. And all of a sudden, a lot of digestive issues just go away. Yeah. I mean, I work literally with thousands of people and it's fun to see the miracles that happen when people start to just simply take the load off. Yeah. That's cool. Well, so I'm intrigued. We talked about bliss and taking a load off. You've got a chapter in your book about self-massage. That sounds delightful and relaxing. How does one execute self-massage? Yeah. So self-massage, this is an interesting habit. It's called Abhyanga in Ayurveda language, and it's a daily practice when you have children. So it's interesting. It starts usually with the mother massaging the newborn. But what's interesting about this too is that the new mother will be receiving massage. So this is a habit that starts from day one and it goes through 
until a dying person leaves their body. It's a daily habit in the system of medicine that again is based on awake living. It's based on enlightened living. It's based also on radiant longevity, not just living longer, but being radiant in each stage of your life. And to me, that's fascinating. Like why the self-massage? This is something that we really don't see in Western culture. This daily habit that starts the day a baby is born and doesn't stop. And there's times of life when we don't do it on ourselves, we do it on others. The newborn is receiving, the postpartum mother is receiving, they're not doing it on themselves, they're receiving it, and the dying are receiving it. Also, any healing phases, people are in receiving it. Everyone else is just either giving it to themselves or giving it to other people. And there's a few interesting things with this habit. To me, the biggest component of this habit is empowerment. You start to realize that you have the power to heal with your own hands. Well, so when you say self-massage, how do I even do that in terms of putting my hands onto where in order to make something happen? Right. Yeah. Well, I would say, first of all, like lower the bar and lower the expectations. All you're trying to do, and let's just do this right now. So if you're driving, don't do this. Well, even if you're driving and you can drive with one hand, you safety can use first. the other hand. <laughs> exactly. Safety first. But for like everyone else, like you have two hands, just go mm-hmm. and do a pass. Just do a pass of your two hands. I have all my clothes on. So I'm doing this fully clothes. <laughs> I'm going around my thighs and my butt and my hips and my belly and my boobs and my shoulders and my arms. And I'm just checking in and my neck and my face and my scalp. That's kind of nice. And that's it. Yeah. Okay. And that's it. So that took 10 seconds. So that would be a good starter level, right? Where again, we don't want to ever with habits, make them so hard that they feel like they consume a lot of time or energy or raise the bar so that we don't do it. We just want to kind of get in in right relationship. And all of a sudden in that, you're like, wow, this feels kind of good. Some people may have the experience of like, I'm repulsed by myself. And that happens. Say you're carrying an extra hundred pounds and you do it and you're like, I don't want to touch parts of my body because that's how distant we've become from ourself. This practice is incredibly healing and incredibly intimate and helps you move back in to yourself. So to some degree, it can just get us in touch with reality. We just pass our hands over our body and we're like, you know what? I really don't need to eat a bigger, heavier meal tonight. And that's maybe not the best reward for the promotion I got at work. Like that might actually leave me not feeling as good tomorrow when I pass my hands over my body. So that's one thing is we're getting a check-in. We're getting another set of data. We're getting more input in terms of, hey, what is my body? What does it need? What does it want next? Right? Some of us may have done that and just been like, oh, I need to get more touch. Like I need to actually like schedule a massage with someone. And that can be really important information because it's like, if you don't get that, your immune system can break down over time. That's a big deal. Autoimmune disorders are horrible and they're hard to recover from. So that can be a thing. But then another thing will start to happen. You start to discover like, you're just like all of a sudden you're just put your elbows on your desk and you're just rubbing your temples and you start to rub your forehead and you start to rub your scalp and you find this point. You're like, Oh, that feels really good. And you just do that for a moment. And then you go back to your work, Mm -hmm. but you may have actually just found a few acupressure points. Okay. Right. And some of these points, like when you start to learn different things, they're like, Oh, this actually triggers that there's ways that say you have insomnia at night because you're drinking too much caffeine in the day and you don't know how to unplug from work and you don't have good boundaries of screen time. And you're eating a heavier later dinner and all those things that we talked about and you're not sleeping well and your mind's racing. 
there's points and one's on top of the head, the crown of the head. And then another's about four finger what's behind that towards the back of the skull. When you rub them, it actually drops your nervous system down. Yeah. So if you place the base of your palm at your hairline and go all the way back to where your middle finger touches and rub there, it's a really good one for like diffusing more of like the alpha beta busy mind brainwave state. Okay. Well, there you go. Pro tip. Yeah. Pro tip. So there's a lot of power that comes when we start to take healing back into our own hands. And for those of us who are raising children or who have elders living at home, when we start to actually take that power back into the household, that it doesn't take a professional massage therapist to help heal with hands. And I know for being a mother, I have a nine-year-old you know, she'll just come to me and be like, she's a gymnast. And so like last night, she's like, there's something going on with my thighs. So the first thing I'll do is be like, great, go take a steam shower and then I'll give you a massage and we'll just see what happens. We'll maybe break out some essential oils and get crazy and see, but the power of healings in their own household, because she's been raised in this habit. That's awesome. Well, Kate, tell me, is there anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and talk about some of your favorite things? No, I'll just let you lead from here. All right, let's do it. How about a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Well, today I'm definitely inspired by that lazy and smart and really looking at that efficiency, right? I would imagine like all people listening here are really quite aware of how you can generate more work for yourselves. All right. Uh... (laughs) Right? And the same thing's really true with your own health and fitness and wellness. It's like, where are you making it hard? Whereas if you're actually a little lazier, like, what happens if you just don't do dinner tonight? You know, people find with this is so surprising. They're like, oh my gosh, I have so much more time. Yeah. Huh. It doesn't have to be a gourmet meal. What happens when it's actually like when I start to lower my bar? One of the things that I have found with very productive, very healthy people is their diets are incredibly simple mm. most of the time and then slightly outrageous some of the time. You know what I mean? Like, so they'll go out and they'll go to like a five-star sushi restaurant and like go big. But like for the most of the time, they're keeping their parameters incredibly simple around their food or their nourishment, around their sleep, around their body movement so that they can live an incredibly ecstatic professional life. Sounds good. Nice. And how about a favorite book? Working with the Law by Raymond Honeywell. Have you read that one? It's an old one. I learned about it from David Nagel, who's like a wealth coach. He helps people develop more wealth. And he did this whole training I purchased with him on like wealth and abundance years ago. And I ended up listening to that training again and again and again. And he ended up quoting Raymond Honeywell again and again and again. And finally, I bought Raymond Honeywell's book, Working with the Law. And what's really beautiful, it's just based, just like Ayurveda, it's just based on observing the universe that we live in as a human being. And there's so much in there just about relationships and about thriving, whether it's in body, whether it's in mind, spirit, wealth, et cetera. It's an old book. Not many people have read it. Never hit the New York Times bestseller list, but working with the law. It's good. Thank you. And is there a particular nugget or teaching that you have a Kate original that seems to super connect and resonate with folks you work with? There's so many. I often try to simplify our anatomy and physiology. Do you coin the term pooping champion? I thought that's very simple. Very simple. We're really big on that, like being a pooping (laughs) champion, which brings me to very accurately your pie hole and your poop hole. And I've gotten a lot of flack on this from my tribe, my newsletter list. He's like, pie hole so negative. It's so derogatory. I don't mean it in a negative derogatory sense. I just mean like, I like pie. There's a certain hole that pie goes in and there's a certain hole that poop comes out. Now, 
with your pie hole, you just want to start paying attention to like, how many times a day are you inserting nuggets? And how many hours a day? And this is where a lot of the research with intermittent fasting I find really fascinating. It's like if you just sort of tighten that up so that you're only eating two to three times a day as an adult, right? And if you allow that time between supper and breakfast or breaking the fast to be at least 13 hours, Mm -hmm. like just that, you'll start to have, you'll start to be able to burn your own fat. You're going to have a much more leanness in your musculature. You're going to feel better. When you do self-massage, you'll be like, I am hot. You know, like you're going to feel really good in yourself just because your body's actually burning fat instead of just storing fat because you're not eating so frequently and your body's needing to use what it's getting. So I have a checklist. I'm just seeing this right now at yogahealer.com forward slash super productivity. That's one. word, And that's where all of the habits are listed. So if they want, if that's helpful, if you're like, I need to find out more besides early or later dinner, early to bed, that's where those all are. Oh, cool. Thank you. Sure. And I was just going to ask if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Yeah, I think just there. I think for this audience, like who are obviously into being focused, energetic, productive human beings, just yogahealer.com forward slash super productivity. And that'll get you that checklist. On yogahealer.com is where I provide way too much content. So don't go there because you're already overstimulated <laughs> and you need to unplug and go to bed early and enjoy some deeper rest. Okay. That's a nice... Uh... <laughs> My next question was a call to action. Maybe it's just that. Don't go to your website and get some more rest. Anything don't else you would challenge? <laughs> do the obvious. Have soup for dinner. Okay. Like seriously, like be a cultural revolutionary and stop doing what everyone else is doing. That's leading to the pain cave. Like stop eating as a reward for working hard at night. Like just stop overloading your system and stop overloading your mind with too much stimulation. Just give yourself a break today and enjoy the amazingness of your body and your mind. Cause it's the most sophisticated piece of technology we've ever discovered. And enjoy the people that are in your life because they're there. And there's so much magic when you take out all of that excess and you start to live a little bit lighter and a little bit leaner, and a little bit more spacious. Okay. Well, this has been so enriching. Thank you for this. Please uh, keep on doing what you're doing and making the world awesomely yoga healed. <laughs> you bet, Pete. I really dug what Kate had to say about the lighter and earlier dinner. And I would also add that that applies to the alcohol you drink with dinner. For me, you know, maybe I'm a lightweight, but not a huge glass of wine, but a smaller glass of wine. And an earlier enables the digestion and processing of that to happen earlier. Although I'm learning in terms of the experiment with the body, that if it's too light or too early, I digest that food so much and so fast that I wake up very hungry in the middle of the night. So be careful not to overdo it, dial it in just right. But I think the principle is applicable and I'm starting to see a difference in sleep quality as measured both by just how I feel in the morning as well as the sleep monitoring devices that are available, whether it's Fitbit or S Plus by ResMed, whatever that may be. So Cool stuff from Kate. I recommend you try out that and other pieces to make sure that you're bringing that energy to the table so you can look all the more like a rock star and just have more fun doing it. I don't know. That's my experience with energy levels is is some work tasks that are like not quite fun and not quite 
boring. You know, they're just sort of like in the purgatory or in the middle there. I bring a good level of energy to them. I can enjoy them. Whereas when I don't have that level of energy, I can't enjoy them. And so I think that makes a world of difference for the, the enjoyment, engagement, fun, at least for me. So worth an observation and a test over in your world as well. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, the links to items referenced here, that's on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F226. And do, while you're learning and growing and experimenting, uh, check out the linkedin.com slash awesome as well. I think you'll dig many of the learnings that are available to you there. And there's more learnings coming up. We got Donald Kelly, the sales evangelist himself. It's not quite a revival, but we're having some fun talking about what does it take to be persuasive and influential? Whether you are in a sales role or not, I think we all have to do some persuading and influencing and getting folks to say yes. Donald shares some of those universal principles in a fun, engaging way. So I hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.